The following podcast is brought to you by the Bridge Bible Church in Somerset, Wisconsin. For more information, please visit our website at thebridgewire.com. All right, let's start making our way back to our seats. Great job, everybody. Enough of that. Stop talking. Stop being friendly. No, man, that is fantastic. I can't believe you guys were actually, you actually did it. You guys actually got up out of your seats. You went around, started, started talking to one another and caring for one another. That's fantastic. Isn't that what church is? Isn't that what church is supposed to be? I got to be honest with you. I was not planning to do that. And, and I felt just before, kind of like two minutes before walking up here, I felt like God was saying, you got to have people get up and greet one another. And I was kind of fighting it. I'm like, God, I, that's, I don't want to do that. Like people are just sitting down. They're just getting comfortable. And I'm going to look like an idiot when nobody stands up and walks around and talks to one another. But then you guys did a fantastic job. The whole thing that we want to talk about this morning is this idea of, Lord, have your way. And even that this morning, my little attempt at being obedient to what God was saying, changing my plans, changing my thoughts of what I was going to talk about or what I wanted to do when I first walked up, all of that is around this idea of, Lord, have your way. I want to introduce myself first of all. My name is Carl Gady. My wife Julie and I are covenant members here at the bridge. We are part of this community. We love you guys. Um, and I have to be honest with you. I was just asked a couple of days ago if I would be here this morning and share with you. So I feel like this is not a well-planned out sermon that you're going to receive. This is not... Normally, I have spoken here at the bridge many times before, but typically I have months to prepare. I am not a great sermon writer, and it takes me a long time. So I typically have months to prepare before sharing with you. That's not the case this morning. This morning I had like a couple of days at the most, and so I don't feel very prepared this morning. But I think that's a really good thing. Because this is forcing me more than ever before to rely on God and to get out of the way and let God speak. So that's been really my prayer the last couple of days, is that God would speak this morning and would share, and I would just be out of the way. So I'm going to ask you to pray that same prayer this morning uh, with me. Now, I know that we have some prayer warriors in the room this morning. Uh, I know we have people that are passionate about prayer. I know there's people that have been lifting me up in prayer the last few days. So I'm going to ask that you would cover this time in prayer and that God would be allowed to speak this morning. I'm also going to ask that you pray for our church. I want you to pray for our pastor Rob and our elders. Our church needs prayer. We need to be lifting up our leaders of this community. And I fear that we don't lift up our leaders enough. So I'm just going to ask that we spend time praying for our Pastor Rob and our elders as they lead 
this body of believers. Now, uh, in addition to my wife Julie and I being covenant partners here, we are the co-founders of Tutapona, a Christ-centered organization that exists exclusively to bring God's love and healing to the emotional effects of war or conflict. Now, we have, we've been doing this for 15 years, and we have teams on four continents. We have staff around the world on four different continents. And part of our challenge, Julie and I, as the leaders of Tutapona, not only is it to do work with refugees around the world, but we want to have an impact on our staff. We want to feed into them. We want to bless them. We want to develop them into the people that God wants them to be. And so as part of that, we have a daily prayer and devotions. All of our offices around the world start every single day with prayer and devotions. Also as part of this is uh, we have quarterly prayer retreats. So we start the first day of the year every year with a day of prayer. The first work day, everybody in every office starts the year in prayer. And then we do this quarterly. We start every quarter with a day of prayer. And we have a theme that we typically try to um, engage in in all of these activities, our, our prayer and devotions every morning and our prayer retreats. And this year for 2023, our theme is uh, surrender. Now, God always tends to speak to me through uh, our theme for the year. I feel like God gives us as Tutapona a theme that I need to work on and that I need to hear personally. So this year with the theme of surrender... I've been praying, God, what do I need to surrender? God, what do I need to give up? Now, this word surrender absolutely has a negative connotation, right? It's this idea of, of giving up. If I'm in a fight or if we're at war as a country and we surrender, that means I quit. It means I lost. It means I give up. It means I'm admitting defeat, Surrender. And uh, in Africa, we work with a lot of child soldiers who've been abducted by rebel militias, who forced them to fight. And when they come back, they've often talked about we were not allowed to surrender. The commander would, uh, as we're in a battle and as bullets are flying and everybody's scared and everybody's hiding and taking cover, the commanders will yell out, no retreat, no surrender. We stand here and we either win or we die. There's no surrender. This idea of surrender has a very negative connotation, but there's a, a positive application for the word surrender as well. When we talk about spiritually, what it means to surrender. It means to let go of my will and give that over to the Lord. Let go of my agenda. Let go of my way of doing things and surrendering that, giving that to the Lord. And as I've been walking through this surrender over the past few months of this year, God continues to reveal different aspects of this and different nuances to this word surrender. And this idea started coming to my mind around this simple sentence that just keeps resounding over and over in my mind. 
this idea, Lord, have your way. Lord, have your way. And so that's the title of the message this morning. And in many ways, I honestly feel like we could stop right there. And most of you are thinking, amen, let's just end it right there. That's all that needs to be said. Lord, have your way. So if there's one thing that you take away from this morning, that's what I hope you take away. This idea, Lord, have your way. So the verse that we're going to look at this morning that we're using for our passage, or for our sermon is Isaiah 64, 8. But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you our potter. And all of us are the work of your hand. In 1902, a woman by the name of Adelaide uh, Poland she authored the hymnal, Have Your Way. No, I'm sorry. The, the hymnal is titled, Have Thine Own Way. Ms. Pollard was reportedly experiencing a distress of soul during this time. It appears that it was in this period of her life that she had been planning to go to Africa as a missionary. She was a godly woman, a saint, who loved the Lord and wanted nothing more than to serve him. And she was convinced that his plan for her life was to go to Africa as a missionary. So she had been working for years raising funds. But she came to the point where she hadn't raised the funds. So she was extremely discouraged. And in that discouragement, she goes out to a, a small little prayer gathering. And in this prayer gathering, she was impacted by the prayer of a little old lady that was there. This little old lady, she didn't pray, pray for blessings for Adelaide. She didn't pray that God would bring the money, that God would shower down resources on her. Instead, this woman prayed a simple prayer for understanding of God's will in life. Adelaide was impacted by this and she went home and she continued to uh, meditate on God's word and she meditated on the passage in Jeremiah that's similar to the passage we read in Isaiah. In Jeremiah 18 it says, Then I went down to the potter's house and there he was making something on the wheel but the vessel that he was making of clay was spoiled in the hand of the potter. So he remade it into another vessel as it pleased the potter to make. So then that night, before Adelaide retired to bed, she completed the entire four stanzas of the hymnal over a hundred years ago. And she completed it in finality in the way that it is still sung to this day. Let me read uh, I'm not going to sing it, don't worry about that. Uh, but let me read the words to the hymnal quickly. Have thine own way. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. While I am waiting, yielded and still. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. 
Search me and try me, Savior, today. Wash me just now, Lord. Wash me just now. As in thy presence, humbly I bow. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Wounded and weary, help me, I pray. Power, all power, surely is thine. Touch me and heal me, Savior divine. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Hold o'er my being absolute sway. Fill with thy spirit till all shall see Christ only, always living in me. So, Adelaide had disappointment. She knew what God's plan was for her. She knew what was next. But then the plans changed. God changed it. So what happens when God moves in a way that we weren't expecting? God often moves in ways that make us uncomfortable. You know, we try so hard to put God in this tiny little box. We try so hard to understand this infinitely complex God of the universe that we try to put him in this little box to contain him so that we can get our brain around him, so that we can fully understand. But you are never going to fully understand God in this lifetime. If you were, that's not God. That's not God. We try to limit God. We try to contain him so we can get our tiny little brains around it and understand. The point isn't that we understand God completely. The point is that we try. The point is that we're pursuing God. My entire life, I'm going to be searching after God and I'm going to be striving to know him better and better, but I'm never going to completely understand him. I can't. How do you completely understand a God that has always existed? Before time began, God was. I can't get my brain around that. I try. It just hurts when I try to figure that out. How do you understand a God that has always existed before time began? How do we understand a God that exists outside of time? God is in the eternal now. Everything is now. There is no past to God. There's no future. It exists right now. God exists outside of time. I don't understand that. I don't get that. How do we understand a God that is all-powerful? How do we understand a God that is omnipresent? He's everywhere at one time. He's everywhere. How do we understand a God that created the entire universe and all of the galaxies and is bigger than all of the galaxies, exists outside around all of the galaxies, all that exists, and knows the most intimate details of me, little, tiny, lowly me. He knows the decreasing number of hairs on my head. He knows how many there are there now. God is infinitely more complex than I will ever be able to understand. And the point isn't that I completely get him. 
Because if I were to completely get him, I'd have to shrink him down into this little box. But God doesn't allow that. God comes bursting out of that box. And when he does, I'm surprised by what he does. If you haven't been surprised by God, you will. You're going to be surprised by how he acts because you don't have them all figured out. So, my, I have two questions for you this morning that I just want you to think about. The first question is, how do you respond when God does something that you don't understand? How do you respond when God does something that you don't understand? When God does something that goes against your doctrine that you hold. When God does something that goes against your belief or your theology or your past experiences or your expectations. When God goes, does something that goes against your comfort and it makes you uncomfortable, how do you respond? Now, in the Bible, there's numerous examples. And, and had I prepared a sermon... I would have probably researched this and come up with a lot of examples. Um, but a couple have come to mind. I would actually argue that everybody in the Bible has been surprised by God, was surprised by God. Um, because everybody on the planet is surprised by God at some point or other. But a couple of examples that come to mind um, of people in the Bible that were surprised by God— Let's look at Abraham. Abraham uh, is an old man. He and his wife are beyond childbearing age, and God tells him, you're going to be the father of many nations. And then, of, you know, I'm not going to get into the whole story, but Abraham does some foolish stuff, Abraham and Sarah, to try to take matters into their own hands. But then God miraculously conceives a child in Sarah who is beyond childbearing age. They have a son, Isaac. This is God. All right, you told us, God. You promised us. I would be the father of many nations. Here it's starting. It's starting now with Isaac. And then God says, sacrifice Isaac. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, talk about a surprise. Talk about God just hitting you out of left field. Where's this coming from, God? And Abraham could have gone back to scriptures and used scriptures to justify this can't be God. He tells us in his word, Thou shalt not commit murder. He told, he's given me instructions in his word that are contrary to this. And he told me that I'd be the father of many nations. He gave me my son, Isaac. Abraham could have argued, this doesn't make sense, God. I don't get it. But instead, Abraham said, Lord, have your way. Lord, have your way. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense, but Lord, have your way. So that's a positive example of someone who was surprised by God and he responded with, Lord, have your way. But what about Jonah? Jonah is a prophet. Jonah loves God. Jonah is a servant of God, used by God in so many places. And then God tells him, I want you to go to Nineveh. 
And Jonah says, that doesn't make any sense, God. That wasn't the plan, God. That wasn't what we had agreed on, God. So I'm going to go the other direction. Now, you know the story. It didn't end real well for Jonah. Jonah's swallowed by a giant fish. He's puked up onto shore. And God says, Jonah, go to Nineveh. So finally he goes. But then he goes to Nineveh, and then he's mad because God saves the people of Nineveh, and he sits out on the side, outside of town, pouting because he doesn't like the way that God handled it. He was surprised by God. There's numerous other examples in the Bible. Some people that handled their surprise good. Some people that didn't handle it well. Let's look at the Pharisees in the New Testament. The Pharisees were the religious leaders of the day. Now, the Pharisees, they knew Scripture. They knew the Word of God. They studied it. They memorized it. They debated about it, discussed it with one another. This is what they did. They just, like, knew the Word. But then Jesus shows up, and Jesus looks different than they thought he was going to look. Jesus did things that were what they didn't expect. Jesus healed on a day that they didn't think he was going to heal on. They used their knowledge of the Bible as confirmation that this wasn't right, what Jesus was doing. So when God surprised them, they didn't re respond with, Lord, have your way. They responded with, it has to be my way. All right. So the first question is, how do you respond when God does something that you don't understand? The second question I have for you, what is it that you are holding on to that's getting in the way of God moving. It could, be, it could be anything. For me, oftentimes the thing that gets in the way of God moving, that I'm holding on to, are my plans. My ideas of, of what God is doing. And my plans for how I'm going to serve God. I'll give you an example. Uh, Julie and I, when we started Tutapona, we moved our family to Africa. We were all about Africa. We loved Africa. We knew God was calling us there. And then we felt God calling us again, eight years later, to move to Iraq. We had no heart for the Middle East. We did not feel called there, but we felt all of a sudden, that changing, God calling us. And as God called us, we developed this love for the Middle East and an excitement to follow God there. So we sold everything in Uganda, and we moved to Iraq. And once we got there, we loved it. And we saw God moving. We saw lives being changed and transformed, and we were excited to be part of it. We were in the refugee camps and we were working with survivors of ISIS that were coming back from captivity. And we had the opportunity to bring God's love to them. And we saw lives being transformed. Great stuff was happening. And then we had to evacuate. 
And we found ourselves back here in the U.S. And we didn't want to be here. And so we are, I, I, I shouldn't say we, I'm going to speak for myself because my wife is much holier than I am. So she probably wasn't dealing with this, but I was feeling frustrated. I'm feeling uh, anxious to get back to Iraq. And we felt like God was calling us here. But I honestly, at the time, I felt justified. But now as I look back, I realize I was just being a spoiled little child who was grumbling and complaining and saying, God, this isn't fair. God, we had a deal. God, this isn't the plan. The plan was we were supposed to stay in Iraq. Things are going good there. This isn't the plan. And I'm not happy about it. I didn't have a posture of, Lord, have your way. I had a posture of, this was my plan, and this is the way it's supposed to be. It took me a while. But once I finally shifted my posture and I surrendered, I gave up holding on to my ideas and my plans and I realized that God has a right to surprise me. God has a right to do whatever God wants to do. And once I maintain a posture of, Lord, have your way, then I can truly be used by God. Even when God's way goes outside of what I thought was going to happen, goes outside of my experiences and my interpretation of Scripture. All right, I, so oftentimes what gets in the way? The question is, what is it that I'm holding on to that's getting in the way of God moving? It could be plans. It could be your belief. It could be your doctrine that you hold on to. The Pharisees did this. The Pharisees understood the word, but they had God right there in front of them, and they missed it. They missed him. The Pharisees knew about God. But the Pharisees didn't know God. Now, as part of knowing God, it is important to know about God. It is important to study the Word, know the Word, to learn about God. But learning about God is not enough to actually know God. It's like... I like reading autobiographies. I like reading about people's life and their experiences, and I like reading about it from their own words. Now, uh, let's say I, uh, I read an autobiography about Billy Graham. Uh, um, I was, I was going to tell you about an autobiography that I have read, but I feel like I don't, I don't always read about these like, godly people. I read about all kinds of people, so I don't want to be judged you know, for who I've read about. But let's say I read about Billy Graham because he's, right, he's a great guy. He, he would be a great... I would love to read an autobiography about him. I don't know if he has one. Um, but let's say I read an autobiography by Billy Graham. Billy Graham is the author and he's the subject. It's about his own life. 
So let's say I read an autobiography, and I studied it, and I studied it, and I know all these details about Billy Graham. I know when he was born, where he lived. I know his favorite food. I know about a lot of experiences, and I know a lot about Billy Graham. That doesn't mean I know Billy Graham. I don't know Billy Graham. I don't have a relationship with Billy Graham. And if I learn about him, that might be a step to getting to know him. It might be an important part of knowing him, is knowing about him. But knowing about him is not the same thing as knowing him. The Pharisees knew about God. Now, I have a confession to make. More times than I would like to admit, I'm the Pharisee in that story. I can be very, you know, uh, quick to say, oh, the Pharisees were wrong. They were bad. They missed it. But if I am honest and I look back, more often than I would like to admit, I am the Pharisee in that story. I grew up in a Christian home. And that is a great thing. I'm very thankful for that. I wouldn't trade it. I grew up in a Christian home. I went to church every Sunday. I went to Sunday school as a child growing up. I, I went to a Christian high school. I had Bible class every day. I had chapel once a week after high school. Um, I worked at a Christian camp for three summers. I went to a Christian university. I knew the word I loved the word. I debated different theological issues, different doctrine with people. But so oftentimes, my idea, based on what I was studying in Scripture, got in the way of God moving. And I thought that I had God understood. I thought I knew about God so well that I wouldn't be surprised by God. until we are willing to recognize that God has a right to surprise us. And God will act in ways that we don't always understand. And we don't always get it. And our job is to maintain a posture of, Lord, have your way. Lord, have your way. Um. <clears throat> Jesus himself said in John chapter 7 that the Pharisees don't know God. They said, you guys don't know God. And the Pharisees, by the way, which I think you know, we tend to do more often than we like to admit, the Pharisees had the audacity to tell Jesus what he had to do, to tell Jesus what to do. It was, you know, the day that we celebrate uh, Palm Sunday. It was the triumphal entry. Jesus is coming in to the city, and the disciples and the people are shouting, Hosanna in the highest. And the, and the Pharisees say, Jesus, you need to tell them to stop. How often do we have the audacity to tell God what he needs to do? Instead of having a posture of, Lord, have your way. All right, I just want to conclude right now. The two questions that I would love for you to ponder
today as you leave and this week in your time with the Lord, two questions to ponder. How do you respond when God does something that you don't understand? And number two, what is it that you're holding on to that is getting in the way of God moving? I ask that you try to cultivate a posture of, Lord, have your way. Lord, have your way in my life. Lord, have your way in our church. Lord, have your way in our community, in Somerset. Lord, have your way in western Wisconsin. Lord, have your way. And let's get out of the way. Let's get our agendas out of the way. I want to quickly, before I close, give you an update about Tutapona. As Julie and I strive to maintain this posture of, Lord, have your way in Tutapona. There's many times when God changes our direction, changes our idea, as we try to get out of the way. But right now, this is an exciting time at Tutapona. This summer, we're going to celebrate our 15th anniversary as an organization. It's an extremely exciting time. And we have an opportunity to look back on 15 years and celebrate what God is doing. So I want to ask you to join us in that celebration. In August, uh, we're going to have a celebration at Croyview Farms, not far from here. Um, and we're going to just celebrate and praise God for what he's done in 15 years. 60,000 people have gone through our programs around the world. We're going to celebrate that, and we're going to praise God. It's an important event. We need to stop and celebrate. We need to, once in a while, stop just plowing ahead. We need to pause and praise God for what he's done, and we can't do that alone. We need all of you to so come and join us. But in addition to praising God, we're also going to turn our gaze to the future and say, what next, God? What next? Lord, have your way. This year, uh, Tutapona, we started an office in East Africa to address the Ukraine response. We're getting registered inside Ukraine, and we're uh, getting staff in Ukraine, and we're excited about what God's going to do to bring his love and his healing. We had a leadership gathering recently in Iraq. We were gone the whole month of March uh, checking on our work in Eastern Europe and in Iraq. We had a leadership gathering in, in Iraq where we were doing strategic planning for the next three years. We were also re-looking at our mission and our vision and our core values and really spending time in prayer. Lord, have your way. Lord, what is it that you want from Tutapona? Where is it that you want to take us? Lord, have your way. Right now, we're starting a campaign, 15 for 15. I'd ask you to consider joining us, giving $15 a month for 15 months. That enables three people to go through our programs of trauma rehabilitation, three adults or three children, three people like you, like me, to receive God's love and God's healing in their lives. I really want to encourage you to join us in August for our 15-year event. Get on our... Uh, Sign up for our newsletters. 
and stay updated on what God is doing through Tutapona. Now, last thing I want to say is as part of our event uh, this summer, as part of our celebrations for 15 years, we're participating in a really big event, a bike race across the country. Now, this is, a, this is a really big event. There's people coming from all over the world to participate in this. There's over 20 countries are represented. We're racing as a team against other teams from all over the world. It's a really hard event. I've been training all winter long for this, and you might see me biking around the area. If you do, please try to avoid me with your car. I'm trying to stay um, healthy and safe. So just don't run me off the road. Um, and we need, we're using this as an opportunity to raise awareness about what God is doing through Tutapona. This offers us a platform to get the word out about what God is doing in a way that we can't do, uh, you know, we can reach people that we'll, we won't reach in other ways. And we're also using it as a way to raise resources. All of us racers have a goal of raising $10,000 each uh, for this. So please go and support one of our racers. It would be a huge help in making this a success. As you leave today, Lord, have your way. My prayer is that the Lord has his way in your life, in our church, and in our community. If we maintain a posture of Lord, have your way, if we even maintain an excitement about God surprising us, we don't have to be scared of God. We don't have to be scared of God surprising us. When God surprises us, that can be the best thing that's happened. Let's maintain a posture of, Lord, have your way. Let me pray for us real quick. Father God, we love you. Father God, we trust you. We trust that your ways are better than our ways. And Lord, we don't want to just come to church to, to just feel good. We don't want to come to church just to tick a box and go on with our life. Lord, we want to come to church and experience you. Father, we know you are good. But we also know, Lord, that you might surprise us. And whatever you call us to do is good. So we trust you, Lord. And Lord, we say, have your way. Lord, have your way in our lives. Have your way in our church. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. The Bridge Bible Church stands to exalt the name of Jesus. We seek to be a community that gives glory to Christ above all things and welcomes all people to join us in worshiping Him. If you don't have a church home, consider visiting ours. We are ordinary people who want to live life with authentic faith. For more information on how to get connected, deepen your faith, and experience what God has for you, please visit our website at thebridgewire.com.